Our first reading is from the Hebrew scriptural tradition, very famous reading from the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. The Hebrew name is Kohelech, beginning with the first verse. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church on this particular morning. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. The Lord has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, God has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet they cannot find out what, has God, what God has done from the beginning to the end. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. Let's listen again for a word from God. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. God is not slow about God's promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient on your account, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be destroyed with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be burned up. Since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way, what sort of person ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and earnestly desiring the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and destroyed, and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Oh, you guys.
because it's so hard. There's so much, there's so much in these two texts. I picked them and I totally played myself. Started working on it, I was like, oh no, it's a sermon series. It's an adult ed class. It's a book. But we don't have time for that. Me and, me and Trevor know, we don't have time for all that. It's not gonna happen in the next 20 minutes. But it kind of feels like that a lot recently. I don't know if you're having this experience. I feel like September always feels a little bit like a sprint. Whatever, whatever space there was during June, July, August is gone. And suddenly everyone's got their head down. Everyone's running. Everything's late. Everyone's tired. Everyone's overbooked. School has started got to get things done. Time is running out. Days are getting shorter. That's a lot. So sometimes I think it might actually be nice to experience time differently. I think, I know it's not literal. I understand that no one's making like a scientific claim in which they did a bunch of studies about how God experiences time. But a thousand years feeling like a day is a very different refresh rate. Sometimes I feel like I could use that kind of distance from all the things that are pushing in on me. What is, what is that scale of time? A thousand years is a day. I'm worried about the next 15 minutes. But it's a thing that I like about the Kohelet text, Ecclesiastes because it gives us a lot of good connection points to hold on to. It's legible and not just because Pete Seeger wrote an amazing song that you probably know better because the birds sang it. It's full of the everydayness that makes life what it is for us. And it's kind of nice to think that maybe God has set those things for us the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. There's a sense of purpose there, a sense of meaning we can derive from these benchmarks. The problem is when we start to use those benchmarks in order to justify ourselves, when we lose perspective, when we become hyper-fixated on them as a thing that will make us whole or give us control. If I can gather all the rocks, if I can dance one more song, if I can have five more minutes to do this thing on my to-do list. Which is why the other thing that I like about this text is that it frames that everydayness. There are all the things that make up our day-to-day lives, but they are in seasons and times with past and future, with beginnings and ends. A lot of time words that I don't have time to talk about all of. You'll have to invite me back. But they're all bracketing these smaller measures of life which is good because we may perceive some of those smaller measures, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're not always the best storytellers. 
We're not necessarily reliable narrators of our own lives. If you've ever listened to your best friend tell a story about something that happened two years ago and you're like, I, that is not what happened. Like even a little bit, but okay. We're not reliable narrators of our own lives in the moment, let alone good judges of what matters in the grand scheme of things. So these small things are bracketed within seasons and pasts and futures, all of which, as my spouse wisely observed when I was talking about this with her, and sidebar, if you feel like you haven't met my spouse, I want you to know that she is the first reader on all of my sermons. So you have actually met her because I don't think I've ever preached to you a sermon she didn't hear first and think alongside me with. So hello from her. And she observed to me that the thing about seasons is that it has waiting built in. You can't get to spring without going through winter. You can't have summer that lasts forever because eventually there's fall and we wait for the leaves to turn and we wait for the snow to melt and we wait for school to be over or the vacation to come. And that waiting is uncomfortable. Even if we have a general sense of where we think things should go or what should happen, we don't always know. Hands raised for people who had a week of 90 degree plus weather the first week of September. I have a farmer's almanac and I didn't see this coming. Uncertainty is hard. Waiting is hard. It's so much easier to deal with the day-to-day of the business and let the busyness soothe that little bit of anxiety. It's so much easier to do that than to sit with the uncomfortable idea that we don't exactly know what's coming next, <laughs> let alone that we barely understood what just happened. So it shouldn't really be a surprise that the last thing Kohelet says is that people cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We don't really have that kind of perspective. That's why it's bracketed. Life and death, past, future, beginning, end. We are midstream. We're in the thick of it. We don't have God's perspective. A thousand years is a millennia. At this point, it's a loose compilation of stories and collectively agreed upon facts about what happened. If someone has a real hot tip about what happened in 1054 in April, I want to know. But we don't really know anymore. How could we? What would it be like to see a millennia in a day? What would matter at that scale? Probably not whether I was late to send over that contract or get the kids ready for school or mail the rent check or get a smog check or text somebody back, which I want to be clear is not a dismissal of the ways that those things feel important in our lives. I think actually it's meant as hope. What would it mean to trust in a scale of time that big? 
I love when Second Peter says that God's not slow about God's promises, as some think of slowness, as I think of slowness. It's slowness, it's slowness to me, it's slowness to you, but God has this big vision that we are part of, that we are held within. What if time were a gift we were given? A framework and a language offered to us to help us deal with the anxiety of a universe and creation that is far too large for us to comprehend. What might it mean if we really let God be the God of that? Would it let us let go some of the future things that feel so all-consuming? Would we be kinder, less afraid? Might it let us reframe the past in ways that expose complexities, that change our stories about it, that help us set some things down that we've been carrying? When I think about the past and the future, especially today, a lot of people have asked me what's next. And the honest answer is, I don't know. And I have actually never known. I have a good sense in my life outside of my call of what I think I'm doing with my life and my career. But I've always been wrong about this one thing. I have never known. When Greg called me and said, I have a job for you, I didn't know. I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect the next 18 months worshiping and learning and leading and loving all of you. Like, I didn't see that coming. As much as I may not like it, I'm not the map maker here. I'm the pilgrim. I'm the walker moving through this gift of time I've been given. A gift that is just one brief shining moment in a season of past and future that I don't have bookends for, and I cannot know for certain where they are. Instead, I have birth and death, breaking down and building up, tearing, sewing, silence, love, hate, war, healing, and peace. All of those things that God has given to me and to all of us to understand this time in which we live. But what's equitably good news is not just that God has some massive perspective and therefore it's all going to be okay and everything happens for a reason. That's a different sermon. It's also important because God is with us here as well. Because God is not only the creator and the Lord of time at a massive, uncomprehensible scale. God is also Christ. God among us. In a Christ we see. In a Christ who scraped his knees and had favorite foods. And an auntie whose house he liked to go to because her food was a little bit better than his mom's. 
and inside jokes and hopes and dreams. In Christ, we have the incarnate, a God bracketed by life and death, a God who experiences those intimate, everyday, wildly human busynesses with us so that our hope cannot only be in some future we cannot fully understand, but also here in the midstream now. And while we don't know what the new heaven and the new earth will be, we don't necessarily have that kind of imagination, and honestly, it might be a good thing that we don't. We live in hope of a world coming in which righteousness has a home. And so we are called in the breaking together and putting back together, in the gathering of stones, in the life and the death and the laughter and the grieving, to seek out each other and to spend this gift of time with each other, creating the world we hope for, knowing that whatever comes is going to blow our minds. May it be so. Amen.